Welcome to the Love and Context Podcast, engaging in unscripted conversations with your hosts, Ben and Spencer. Whether you're tuning in from your car, your office, your home, or anywhere in between, we are so happy to have you join us today. Our mission is simple, to explore the Bible through a powerful lens of love. Together, we'll uncover fresh insights and gain deeper understandings of how we can love God and love the people in our everyday lives. So buckle up and join us on the spiritual journey as we discover timeless wisdom that is just as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago. Without further ado, let's dive right in. Welcome to Love and Context Podcast. I'm Ben. I'm Spencer. And we're here talking to you. And if you're looking at us, once again, I apologized a couple of weeks ago, but it's really on you at this point. Yeah, it really is. Like, you don't have to go to YouTube. You can go no. to Spotify, Apple. Lots of places. Lots of places. And you don't mm-hmm. have to see us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So Ben was commenting earlier today while we were setting up. He's like, yeah, it's really weird editing because I see my beard and hair grow each it's week. True. It's true. And, and I'm like, that's, I love that journey for you. Right. You actually look pretty much the exact same, even though I know your beard is growing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really show up on camera as well. No. Yeah. No. no. Though there was, uh, I don't know if you remember when you had the contest with the kids and you took oh, yeah. off your beard. Uh-huh. Like It like went from like nothing to a ton. Yeah. Like almost overnight. It grows quick. It like grows to a certain point and then all your hair is like, hold it. So yeah, there's, so buddy of mine in town, like he's been working really hard on his beard. Like really hard for like the whole time we've been, the, the whole time we've lived in this town. And I've shaved my beard down twice and I've regrown it to longer than his. Like it would, and he hasn't touched it and he's doing the beard oil thing and everything. Everything. Like, and, yeah. and then, then he's like, well, what are you doing? I was like, absolutely nothing. Yeah. Comb it out every once in a while. I'm sure he was pleased with that answer. He was, Yeah. Pleased is the right word to choose for that. You know, I actually used to have a longer beard. I I, I Mm -hmm. experimented with growing it out. And then I had kids. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, my sons will grip (laughs) the beard just about as hard as you can imagine. And so, like, I got a handful of beard hair ripped out by Uh by my oldest. Uh And I was like, well, this is getting cut back. Yeah. (laughs) Because it was was painful. Yeah. 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 So, but yeah, it's my daughter used to like grab my beard and just like jerk my head whichever way she wanted to go. Now she just like punches me because she's five and is like violence is her answer to everything. You also put her in jujitsu though? I did. But jujitsu is grappling. Yeah. Not punching. Well, I mean, she's just, she's really just taking jujitsu to a new level. (laughs) It's called karate. (laughs) Yeah. So speaking of instructing children, we're actually in Deuteronomy. Yeah. Continuing on our series in Torah. Uh huh. Moses has been talking to him. He's like reminding them about where they've come from, like how they ended up here. And then he talked to them about the Shema, the mm-hmm. love of the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we went through the 10 words last week and like yeah. how maybe there's not 10, but there's actually five expressed two different ways. Yeah. If you have not listened to that episode, you probably go back and listen to it. So today we're going to be continuing on. We're actually going to be in Deuteronomy 7 through 11. So go find that pause button, give it a press, and... Read those chapters. That was very radio. I was trying. That's what I was going for. Did it work? Um, you know, it, it was radio, but it also kind of gave off the vibes of like a GPS. Perfect. In 400 feet, please turn left. Right? Mm-hmm. Like it was kind of that vibe too. Mm-hmm. Have you ever sat in the backseat of a car and just wanted to do like the fake GPS noise and be like, maybe, no, sorry, you turn and just give wrong directions? Well, see, here's, here's where it's very clear. Like, <laughs> you know me, but you don't really know me. Uh-huh. I've absolutely done that. <laughs> so usually if I want to do something, I just do it at some point. So somebody's driving and I was like, we are taking a left turn. They're like, we're turning right. And I was like, 
oh, do not argue with the GPS. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I, that's my computerized voice, by the uh-huh. way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we are in. Uh, going to start in Deuteronomy chapter seven, and uh, let's just take a look here, right at the very beginning. So it starts out and it says, when the Lord, your God, brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you the many nation, and there's a lot of ites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, Mm -hmm. seven nations larger and stronger than you. Boy, that's a motivational Mm -hmm. talk, huh? Mm -hmm. Hey, there's seven other nations and they're all better than you. Yeah. God's going to go drive them out. Yeah. Which is actually kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It says in verse two, and when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. So I was researching this and I actually wanted to pause here because this is something that's going to come up again a lot in Deuteronomy. And if we ever get to Joshua, we're going to talk about this too. Mm-hmm. This uh, conquest literature and this, this yeah. idea of destroy them completely. So I went and actually took a look at the word that they translate as destroy and it is, it is Karahram. I, I do not speak Hebrew, so that is, uh, if somebody is listening and they do, they're going to be like, that's definitely not how you pronounce it. But it yeah, actually means to ban, devote, destroy, or utterly destroy. Also could mean to prohibit or to be put under the ban. Mm-hmm. Another one is like to split. Now, one of the places that we see this show up prior in scripture is actually in Exodus twenty two twenty. When uh, God says to them, he says, whoever sacrifices to any other God other than the Lord must be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Now, once again, we want to talk about these words because I think the tendency is we read in Old Testament literature that we're like, oh, well, that just means that, you know, they're going to get wiped out. It's it's harsh. It's all these things. Well, it's also a type of literature. Yeah. And destroy doesn't necessarily mean destroy. And no. so if we automatically assume it's like the harshest version of that, we're going to we're going to set ourselves up for misunderstanding what the scripture is talking about yeah. now. As evidence to this, if you actually look apart right after this, it says in verse three that they're not supposed to intermarry, Mm -hmm. which is a really weird command if they followed the first one. Yeah. Right? Because if you actually destroyed the civilization completely, you couldn't intermarry. Mm -hmm. And that's going to happen a lot in the scripture. He's going to say, when you go in and you destroy them completely, don't intermarry with them. Don't keep their idols. You're like, well... And when they and when they marry into your tribes, make sure that they uh, take your customs. And you're like, okay, so I'm misunderstanding something here, which is actually the point of our podcast mm-hmm. is making sure that we're actually reading the Bible in its context. Yeah. So you don't have to agree with me on that, which is totally fine. But I would just argue that there is a kind of language called conquest literature, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of the the laws and the legal speech of this time was harsher than it actually was in action. Mm-hmm. To put somebody to death really meant to like put somebody outside of the fellowship, Mm -hmm. to separate them from what you're doing, Mm -hmm. right? Now, did it sometimes mean putting them to death? Yes. Absolutely. But the question is, is that the norm or is that the exception? Mm -hmm. And let's also just speak to the difficulty of destroying a like nation or a people outright. Right. Like that is very, very hard to do. Yeah. It's pretty much impossible. Right. And so there are going to be some people from that nation who do survive. Sure. There's other historical documents about people who have survived conquests like that and then have masqueraded like people of the nation that conquered them. Right. And so- Well, there's actually an example of that in the text itself. Yes. With the, I forget what the name of the tribe is. I'll put it in the mm-hmm. uh, video version. But they come to Joshua and they broker mm-hmm. a deal mm-hmm. pretending to be somebody else. Yeah. Right? Which actually doesn't end well for them or Joshua. But- no. You know, that, that's that's just part of it. Yeah. <clears throat> so 
I, I think one of my encouragements in this is you need to contextualize what they're saying. And so uh, our English translations aren't always great at helping us understand what a word actually means. And I'm going to do this a couple of times as we're going through the text here. Yeah. So just quick 10 seconds here. We just need to also understand that when Torah was written, there's argument on whether there's 4,000 words up to 15,000 words. In the Hebrew language. In the Hebrew language. So 4,000 to 15,000. Whereas, yeah, in English, you're going to deal with like 200 to 400,000 in English. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of their words are going to mean multiple things. Yeah. Yeah. And so you you kind of having to pick up context of the entire sentence mm-hmm. when you're actually translating this. So we also want to give a ton of grace to translators. Yeah, it's extremely hard. It's extremely hard with when you have like one word that means six different things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But that also is really important when they use a word and there's a word devoted to a specific thing and they don't use that word and we translate it that way anyways, mm-hmm. which we've seen a couple of times in yeah. our study too. Mm-hmm. So basically what God is saying here is when you go in, I want you to make sure you clean house. Yeah. Right? I want you to get rid of all the stuff that's going to keep you, or that's going to mess you up. Like keep, get rid of the, the, the idols, get rid of the gods, like all those things that are going to cause you to make bad decisions. And I think it's, it's interesting if you take the idea of actually setting it apart, banning it, setting mm-hmm. it separate, it's actually really interesting because Israel is actually called to be set apart. Yeah. Right. So he's saying like, take the things that aren't supposed to be a part of you and set them apart because you yourselves, Israel are set apart. Yeah. Now, of course, the issue that they keep running into all throughout the Old Testament is they want to be like everybody else. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to be like everybody else. Yeah. You're supposed to be different, mm-hmm. right? That's the whole point of Leviticus. That's the whole point of Torah. You're supposed to put a different story on display yeah. to bring people's attention to God. Moses actually continues in verse 7. He says, by the way, God didn't set his affection on you because you were the strongest, mm-hmm. right? He actually chose you because you were the weakest. Mm-hmm. They didn't choose you because you had a ton of numbers. He chose you because you had next to no numbers, mm-hmm. which feels very Gideon story to me. Yeah, it's yeah. very Gideon story. And it's very much how the Lord works where he's like, yeah, you don't think you can accomplish this. Now go. Not only that, in verse eight, he says, it's actually, it was the love of God that brought you out of Egypt. Yeah. Right. It's actually the love of God that brings you here. And uh, God is faithful to uh, a thousand generations for people that follow him. And then Moses quotes from Leviticus 26, 28. Now, once again, why is he quoting from Leviticus? Because he's restating the law for them in a lot of ways, because this is the next generation about to go into mm-hmm. the land, right? So they're not necessarily familiar. Now, if you remember Leviticus 26, which I know it's just on the tip of your tongue out there. <laughs> yeah. God has made the statement. He says, if you follow these statutes, if you go and walk faithfully, then I'm going to bless you to a thousand generations. I'm going to physically dwell among you, which is a great call forward to the time of Jesus when Mm -hmm. people are actually putting Torah on their heart, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But he says, if you don't do it, the quotes is, if in spite of this, you still do not listen to me, but continue to be hostile toward me, then in my anger, I will be hostile toward you and I myself will punish you for your sins seven times over. Blessings and curses of following God in the book of Leviticus, right? Mm -hmm. And Moses is reminding them uh, of their call to be a kingdom of priests, yeah, right? To actually bless the nations and through them, all people are going to be blessed. But if you're not going to bless people, then your actual identity is actually going to be a curse on the people around you. Mm-hmm. So the other thing to note is what's the motivation for blessing? That all nations would be blessed. Yes. A lot of times we treat blessing though as a selfish thing. Oh, 100%. And so like when we do that, we're actually providing a curse for other people because we're not doing it so that others can truly be blessed. We're doing it so others can notice how good we are at, quote unquote, blessing others. And that, that's such a good point. And I want to put a pin in it because there's a really uh, mm-hmm. big sticking point in a further chapter. Yeah. yeah. So we'll put a pause on that. But mm-hmm. you listeners, you hear that. 
We're coming back to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I do. I think this is interesting. What do you think it means to be an enemy of God? Like he says that if you, if you remain hostile to me and you become like my enemy, right? Like what does it mean in the context of Torah to be an enemy of God? I, I don't imagine it's good. I don't imagine it's good either, but <laughs> What is what is, I, I would imagine? Okay, so if being a friend of God means that you are seeking to love Him and love other people well, my only thought is that being an enemy of God, you don't do that. So I I think there's a misinterpretation a little bit here. So one is oftentimes we assume if someone's our enemy, we have to attack them. What you do? <laughs> have you not played Battleship? I have. But just because someone is your enemy doesn't necessarily mean you're at war with them. Oh, that's true. You could look at that. America has enemies, but they're not at war with every single one of them, Mm -hmm. right? So just because there's someone is your enemy, it might mean you're actually still living in a somewhat negotiable peace with them. Mm -hmm. So if you're an enemy of God, it might just mean that God is waiting for you to become his friend. But there's also the capacity where you're actively working against God's agenda. Yeah, there's that too. Which is which is a troubling thing for me that I think of frequently because of some of Jesus's woes that he mm-hmm. lays on the Pharisees, right? God's nature is love. Right. And so there's also an element of God's like, yes, I'm going to stand up for that. But there's also an element of God's like, I love these people dearly. And he's weeping and heartbroken over the fact that they're denouncing him. I would agree with that. I mean, yeah. in the woes. Mm-hmm. Jesus is weeping over over these seven woes and and the and the things that he's actually bringing up. Yeah, I find myself wondering often, and I, I think about this in my life, and I also just think about it in terms of like the American church and what we do a lot of times mm-hmm. for the gospel purposes. It's one thing when you're not necessarily actively participating in the kingdom of God, and it's another thing when it seems like you're actually actively working against it. Mm-hmm. And I think that we have to be careful to not actively find ourselves in that role. Mm-hmm. So I I think when it comes to being an enemy of God, like sometimes we're actively working against him. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're just passively not with him. Mm. And so I I think recognizing that difference is huge. Like if you're actively working against God and God comes to a place where he's like, okay, I'm going to show you who I am, that might not be a friendly spot to be in. Right. Like look at Egypt. Right. Like actively working against God's people, making their toil harder. Mm -hmm. And God's like, all right. Let me show you how I'm more powerful than all your gods. Right. And then you have but that. There's always the invitation in there, and God's actually trying to bring people out of there it. There is. Yeah. There is. And then there's other stories of people who are like, I'm just not walking with God, mm-hmm. but I'm not opposing him. Yeah. And God's like, all right, well, the door's open. You have a seat at the table. I want you in yeah. the house. I like that. Well, and I think I think for us, being an enemy of God, like that's actually not a position for you and I to judge. Even if somebody is an enemy of mm-hmm. God, our job is to love our enemies. Mm-hmm. So exactly what Jesus says. Right, that. Those that persecute us. Yeah. Like the people who are actively opposing the kingdom of God are the people we're supposed to care the most about. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the most about, but we care about. We're, yeah, we're supposed yeah. to care about them and we're supposed to bring Christ to them. Yeah. Uh, which is a very interesting twist that we've put on it in, in years past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think about how often like we are divided by people or like frustrated with people that dis- disagree with us. And I was like, man, those, those are the people we're supposed to love. Mm-hmm. Like the very people that frustrate us are the people that God calls us to love. Yeah. And I always know that there are people God calls me to love because as I'm frustrated with them, I hear that I hear that whisper, and He's like, yeah. mm, "They're made in my image. Mm-hmm. I like them. I want them in my family." And I'm like, "Do you ever have those times where God's like, remember how much of a wretch you were, and how much I loved you then?" And then you're like, "Yes," and He's like, "Okay, you know that person that's driving you up a wall right now," and you're like, 
thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember I was talking to somebody who uh, seemed like a know-it-all and God's like, tap, tap, tap. Hey, guess what, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> so, that was really good. Oh, man. He's like, but I love you. So he talks about, God says, hey, like it, Moses is quoting, he says, hey, there's going to be blessings or there's going to be curses, mm-hmm. depending on whether or not you choose to obey or be the anti-story. Yeah. Right. And then in verse 11, he, he uses a word that is very important when you're studying the Bible. If you see it, then it is contingent on everything that came before it. Yeah. It's called therefore. Mm-hmm. Therefore. One of the pastoral descriptions that comes up all the time when people talk about this, they say, if you see a therefore, you need to see what the therefore is there for. <laughs> Man, it's, it, I've heard that so many times. Take that to your English teacher. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So... Therefore, Moses says, because of everything that he just talked about, take care to follow the instructions that I'm giving you today. So then let's take a, verse, uh, take a look at verse 12. If you pay attention to the laws and are careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep his covenant of love with you as he swore to your ancestors. Now, I told you we're going to kind of talk about some literal translations. Mm-hmm. So before we get into the blessings that follow, I actually want to give a literal word for word translation of the same verse using uh, Hebrew roots, right? Mm-hmm. Then it shall come about, because you listen to judgment, these, and keep and do them, that this will keep the Lord your God with you, his covenant and his loving kindness, which he swore to your forefathers. Now, one of the reasons I like that a little bit more is, then it shall come about, if you pay attention, or then it shall come about, very different feels. Mm -hmm. At least I feel like in the English language. Mm -hmm. If is like, well, if you do this, then maybe, but like the whole idea, if it shall come about, if you follow after God, this is something that will happen. Yeah. Right. Which reminds me of a story that Jesus tells in John 15 to his disciples. He says, Mm -hmm. I am the vine and you're the branches. Mm -hmm. If you connect with me, you're going to bear fruit. Mm -hmm. But if you're not with me, you can't do anything. Mm Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you bring the, if you pay attention and, and the, then it shall come about. Cause those are two very different things. Yeah. Like one implies that you're just looking, you're observing, you're seeing, mm-hmm. okay, what's happening. The other implies you're living it. Mm-hmm. And that's two different things. Right. Exactly. Like I can look, see, and observe what goes in and around the town we live in. But if I'm not living in the town, I'm not actually experiencing mm-hmm. all the struggles and hardships that are happening. Right. Right. Well, and if is such a weird word, you're like, well, if you do this and if you do that, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to, hey, this is going to be the natural like result of what you do. Yeah. Right. Uh, so then God says, he says, if it will then come about, if you follow after me, this is what's going to happen. God is going to love, which is Ahava, which is the committed love. Mm-hmm. Right. And bless, which is Barak. I don't think we've talked about bless before, but bless is like to bend the knee. Mm-hmm. Right. In other words, in service of. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, by the way, some people are really uncomfortable with that because God says he's going to bless you. He's going to bend the knee and serve you. And I was like, well, he got down and washed your feet mm-hmm. too. Like that's who God is. And that's who we're you mean, to Jesus Torah made flesh. Yes. Yeah. Jesus Torah made flesh. Lived right? out, lived this out. <clears throat> and so it says that uh, God will ahava and barak you, and he's going to multiply you, which is rabbah. And I'll explain why I'm bringing those up in just a minute. So he will bless barak, the fruit of your womb. The fruit of the ground, which is the grain, the new wine, and the oil, and the fruit of your herd, which is your livestock. Mm-hmm. If you think about that, is God's going to bless your family, your work, and your livelihood, your personal like things. Now, I remember a story in the New Testament, and actually you and I just recently preached about this mm-hmm. on the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus' commentary on Torah, Yeah, right? 
where he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of those things that you're worried about, the food, mm-hmm. the wealth, the clothes, any of those things that you're worried about, like being able to provide for yourself, they're going to be added to you as well. Yeah. Your job is to seek first. Yeah. So it's almost like Jesus is saying, if you do this, then this is what's going to happen. Yep. Now, to your point, blessing isn't for you. Blessing is for those around you, mm-hmm. right? Going back to Genesis 12, you will be blessed so that elevations will be blessed, yeah. right? And so I want to really comment here is we've talked about this a couple of times. We're probably going to have to get a little bit more into the nitty gritty. Like, and we're going to kind of skim a stone today again. There are people who abuse the blessing of God for selfish means mm-hmm. in the church today. Mm-hmm. 100% that happens. Mm-hmm. And that's wrong. And we oppose that theology because that is going to lead people to selfishness, not mm-hmm. to goodness and mercy. Mm-hmm. And if you're someone who's blessed with a lot, you're called to bless others. We've talked about that before too. Yeah. Where oftentimes we see people who they are blessed with a lot, but then it's like they just refuse to bless other people. They just hoard it for themselves. Right. That's not who we're called to be. The other side of the equation mm-hmm. is people who are so afraid of that theology. Yeah that they never actually walk in the blessing of God. Yeah. And so they never actually receive all that God has for them yeah. to be conduits of, yes, maybe money, maybe mm-hmm. relationships, maybe leadership. I don't know what God wants to pour into your life, mm-hmm. but he wants to prosper you so that the people around you would prosper. Yeah. And because you're so afraid of what some people did incorrectly, you're mm-hmm. afraid to do it correctly. Yeah. And that's wrong too. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like following God is a little bit of walking this tightrope because it's not this and it's not that. It's a little bit of like walking in the middle, mm-hmm. right? It's walking in faithfulness after Christ, not trying to accumulate for yourself. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, wasn't that the story of numbers is like, are you going to follow the cloud or? Or not. Yeah. And like, what happens when you don't? Are you going to trust the leadership? Are you going to trust God mm-hmm. or not? And they struggle with that a ton in the desert. One of the things I love about scripture in general, and this is going to be a bit of a rabbit trail, so forewarning. (laughs) I'm leaving that in on the video, by the way. Thank you. For the podcast listeners, I just did a bunny ears and I bounced it across the screen. Yeah, 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 yeah. But one of the things I love about scripture in general is if you took the biblical characters that we hold in such high esteem and they moved into your neighborhood, Chances are you would tell your kids to stay away from them. Yeah. Like David, for example. Like, oh, hey, wasn't he? Was please it? keep your wife away from him. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but be like, wait, isn't he the guy who like command, like king, like ruler of a nation and then his saw his commander's wife naked and was like, I want her. And so then devised a military strategy utilizing government funds to have him killed so he could take her as his wife. And is that that lady? Yeah. Oh, and is he also a horrible dad? Yeah. Okay. Little Jimmy, don't, we're not hanging out with them. We're not spending time with them. Doesn't his son have like 900 wives? Yeah. Right. And then. Have you seen the parade of people coming through his door? Yeah. You look like you look at some of these characters in the, in scripture where you're like, Hey, isn't like, isn't Moses a murderer? Yeah. Didn't he kill someone? Yeah. Yeah. Right. You look at some of these characters and you're like, man, they got some pretty big stains on their life. Didn't Jacob lie to his dad about who he was? Mm hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. And then we're, and we hold these people in high esteem, not because of that, 
but because they returned to God. Mm-hmm. They sought out redemption. They sought out repentance. Hold on a second. Are you saying that God's redemption and forgiveness is bigger than our sin? Yes. <gasps> I'm shocked. Mm-hmm. Right? Shocker, right? But, I mean, that's just something I was thinking about here. Yeah. And it actually goes right into what we're about to talk about in uh, Deuteronomy, where Moses, in verse 17, he's saying, remember the desert. Mm-hmm. Remember where you fell short. Right. Don't be in awe of the nations that you're about to come and face. Mm-hmm. Be in awe of God. By the way, yeah. you, one of your ones that you love to quote all the time is you say, talk about, don't be afraid of the person who can take your life. Be afraid of the one who's in control of your soul. Mm-hmm. This feels very much like in line with this. Like, don't don't get impressed by these nations and their armies. Like, maybe be more impressed with the God who can knock them out with a weak nation. Yeah. Matthew 10, 28, people. Yeah. Remember where you're coming from. Like... Do you remember how strong Egypt was? And mm-hmm. I brought the those 10 plagues and drop, brought you right out. I eliminated their entire army. Like, don't don't fall for this whole thing. So moving forward in uh, verse 22, it says, The Lord your God will drive out the nations before you little by little. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once, or the wild animals will multiply around you. Now, that is a weird kind of statement. The word for numerous is Rabbah, like earlier, so you're mm-hmm. catch, catching a theme of like repeated words. But wild animals and the beast actually connects back to Genesis 1. Mm-hmm. Like Torah once again referencing itself, uh, especially when partnered with the words around you, which actually says is a uh, Hebrew word for a field. Mm-hmm. So it's not actually they'll multiply around you, it's they're going to multiply in the field. Yeah. Right? And we connect that back to Genesis 1. Don't forget the serpent was more crafty than any of the animals in the field or the beasts in yeah. the field, right? Yeah. And now in Hebrew, once again, uh, wild animals is beasts of the field. So God will accomplish all this. So burn the idols. Don't get drawn in by the gold and silver or it's going to be a snare for you, just like the tree mm-hmm. was. Yeah. And we're going to do this piece by piece because otherwise the Satans are going to literally come up around you and ensnare you. Yeah. So why is God not driving them all out at once and doing it piece by piece for Israel's benefit, not for his, Mm -hmm. right? Which there's a message in there for us. Yeah. Right. That the Lord moves in our life little by little. Exactly. And sometimes there's a drastic change that happens, right? Mm -hmm. But oftentimes it's little by little changing who you are, shaping who you are so you become more like Christ in everything you do. Now, starting chapter eight, I want to ask you you if you're sensing a theme. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Okay. And also compare that with uh, chapter 7, verse 11. Therefore, take care to follow these commands, decrees, and laws I give you today. It seems like he's saying this a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, if, you, if you're reading Deuteronomy and you're like, man, it seems like Moses is like, remember, follow the decrees, listen to the laws, remember what God did. Hey, do you remember when this... You remember? Hey, do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. Like, remember? Mm-hmm. It's going to be like that Earth, Wind, and Fire song. Do you remember? <laughs> right? So, like, remember the 40 years, the journey with God. And then he makes an interesting comment in verse 2. He says, what did the manna, the bread, actually teach them? That you don't live by food, but by the provision of God, which, by the way, is very similar to a conversation that Jesus has with another serpent in the desert. Mm-hmm. Yep. By the way, when when I point these things out, like if you're like, wow, that's connected to, yeah, that's actually our point. Mm-hmm. Like I'm pointing these things out on purpose yeah. because the more you look for it and the more you start to understand like what the Hebrew and how it's cross-referencing, you're going to be like, 
oh, the Bible's interconnected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's one big story. Mm -hmm. So in verse 5, Moses writes, Know that God has been working with you the same way a father works with a son. Now, oftentimes, this can get miscued, right? Because discipline we often view as punishment. Right, and that's not what it means. That's not what it means at all. Especially not in Hebrew. Not in Hebrew. No, in Hebrew, it means more to raise up, to build up, to like... Instill, instill right values. Yeah, it, it almost might be in line with like disciple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's closer to that actually than it is to punishment. Yeah. yeah. And that that part of that, we've used it as a, as a word for punishment. Yeah. And discipline isn't punishment. So in this context though, what Moses is actually talking about is he's talking about, hey, disciple your children yeah. in a way that betters the world around them. Well, and in the same way that you disciple your children to be like, fully yeah. formed grownups. That's what God was doing for you in the desert. Exactly. Right? Like he was he was actually walking you through a process, which we, by the way, saw over and over again. Like they would grumble, mm-hmm. they would complain, not unlike children in a car that are grumbling because you're not taking a break. Mm-hmm. Right? God is just patient with them and he's working through them and he's like, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust, trust me? me? Do you understand why we're doing this? So mm-hmm. even the manna was meant to teach them to rely on him, mm-hmm. not on their own production. So the other night I had a conversation with my daughter. She's five and a half. It was a conversation of why we need sleep. Mm-hmm. And it was how we talked about how our bodies cannot function if we do not sleep. We start to lose control of things. Our mind starts to go crazy. We just physically can't move around as Health well. Gets wonky. Health gets all wonky. We have to have a sleep. That would be similar to what they're saying here. Right. Like to discipline like a father does to a son is to build up to encourage mm-hmm. someone in the way that they're growing. Yeah, and well, and then verse 6, it flows into that because depending on how you interpret 5, you're going to come up with wildly different ideas mm-hmm. because he says, you know, this is how you know that you can trust God wants the best for you, mm-hmm. right? Well, if you're used to discipline being a negative thing, that's not necessarily going to be reassuring to you, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I want to read this section. It's verse 7 through 20, so it's a fairly large section, but I was going through and like... I love to talk through it, but this section of scripture is really good. So starting in verse seven, it says, for the Lord, your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out with the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. Sounds like a good land. I like it so far. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well for you. You may say to yourself, my power and strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. Now, I read that in prep for today. Mm -hmm. 
And I was like, that is a really hard verse for a first world nation. Yeah. Very hard. Right. And later in Deuteronomy, he's actually going to make the statement. He says, you're going to get there and you're not going to remember who brought you here. Mm. Did you know that in Jewish practice, they actually pray after the meal? I did. Yeah. Yeah. One of the reasons that they do that is because when your belly is full, if you're still thankful, mm -hmm. it means you actually appreciate what happened. Yeah. It's really easy to be thankful when you're super hungry. Mm -hmm. But when you are full and you have everything that you need, are you still going to trust in God? Yeah. Which, by the way, comes back to our whole talk about prosperity. Mm -hmm. Are you going to trust God when you have enough? Yeah. Are you going to be a blessing to all nations? Or yeah. are you going to hoard for yourself? Yeah. This is why it's so important. We've talked about this a number of times, but why it's so important to remember where you come from. Mm -hmm. Because if you can't remember where you come from, you're not going to remember what the Lord's done for you. Exactly. And so you have, and I'm not saying dwell on it, right? It is done. It is in the past. It's forgiven. It's redeemed. But you need to know the story. Right. Right. Because that story is going to impact somebody else and it's going to help draw them closer to Jesus. And, and if you forget, you get to a point where you're like, oh, wait, who is this Jesus person I was talking about? Right. Who's this person that I say I have a relationship with, but I'm not actually following after? Or Jesus becomes like a, like a patch that you sew onto your, onto your sash. Mm -hmm. Not to, Boy Scouts, you're awesome. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not harassing you. I'm just more talking about in general, like Jesus is an Apache throw on. Yes. Right. Yes. So that actually brings us into chapter nine, where God is, he's going to go before them to drive them out. But he says in verse four, it's not your righteousness, Israel, mm -hmm. right? It's not your righteousness that you're getting this land. Like, it's not because you were awesome at following, like to your point of remembering your past. Mm -hmm. It's actually the wickedness of the nations, which we've talked about before, the worship of Malek and like the mm -hmm. terrible things that were happening in these nations. Like generation on generation, 400 years while God was trying to turn them from their path, right? And it's not because of you, but God is fulfilling his promise because, by the way, you do know you're a stiff-necked people. Mm -hmm. Boy, if there was a, uh, I, I always think it's interesting, like, America and, like, like the, the anti-Semitic view, like, the church has kind of developed over time. Mm -hmm. I was like, because I don't know, like, the American church, I don't know if, like, there's a people group than ancient Israel that we could identify with more. Mm -hmm. Stiff-necked, stubborn people, right? And well, to preface, not every church is that way. Yeah, not every church. No, yeah. I'm just talking about it in general. Uh, like, just, I'm talking about generalized character of America. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So please don't, that's not talking about any church. There are tons of loving and great people, mm -hmm. and, and thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. That is a that is a gross overgeneralization on purpose. Mm -hmm. Hey, do you remember Horeb? You remember the golden calf? Remember that story? Yeah. Now, I think it's interesting that Moses actually leaves off the story of God relenting at the top of the mountain. Uh-huh. Right? But there's, and the symmetry of, like, with his own anger, which we talked about back in the Exodus episode, which go and check that out, a skull and calf episode. The other thing that I think is interesting, he doesn't bring up the 3,000 people. No. Which also leads a lot of credence to my conversation at that point. Yeah. Right? How about that time, by the way, that you didn't go in and take the land? Remember that? Mm hmm That turned out super well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, the reason he's having this conversation with this particular group mm -hmm. of people is because they didn't go in and take the land. They're too big. They're too yeah. scary. Like, you remember the bad thing. Don't only remember the good things. It's good, like, to your point that you were already saying. Like, we, mm -hmm. gosh, we should remember our failures, too. Yeah. Like, our failures are pieces that we can use to teach people not to fall into the same garbage we did. Amen. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, you should be able to talk about your failure. If God has indeed set you free, then you should be able to talk about your failure mm -hmm. without shame you're not going to be shamed. Now you can still feel remorse for what happened. Yeah. 
there's parts of my story that don't get told to five-year-olds, right? Right. Like, there's other parts of my story that I will willingly share with any adult in the room. Yeah. Right? If they ask, and it's part of my past, not good stuff, but it is something the Lord saved me from, and how the Lord actually protected me in those moments to where I didn't get into worse trouble than I could have gotten into. Yeah. Right? Our story is so, so powerful. It is. The redemptive story of Christ in our life is so powerful. And and it's like the good things that Jesus does in your life and the bad mm-hmm. things that you did that God yeah. overcome. Like both of those things are incredibly helpful. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, so then we roll into chapter 10 and he talks about getting the two tablets and putting them inside the ark. He has a spot in verse 12 that I always want to point out. It's verse 12. He talks about what does God actually require of Israel? Mm-hmm. Right? And there's a few points. He says that he wants you to walk in his ways. He wants you to love him. And he wants you to worship him with all that you are. Yeah. Now, it's not a direct quote, but that's very much the Shema again. Yeah. Right? Like, it comes up multiple times. So then he says, hey, if that's going to be the case, circumcise your heart. Now, if you know what circumcision is, you know that you can't actually circumcise your heart. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, some of you, if you don't, well, actually, don't Google it. Like, that's not going to be helpful. (laughs) But if you don't know what it is, ask somebody, ask your priest, ask your, ask somebody who's not going to laugh at you. Right? But you don't circumcise a heart. So the, but what essentially what circumcision is, you're actually cutting off like the end, right? Yeah. And so you're the exterior. Yeah. And so this idea of circumcision of the heart, by the way, Spencer is just laughing over here. I'm well, I'm just laughing because you almost told them to Google what circumcision is. That's what you <laughs> almost did. Yeah. No. And that was like, oh, Ben, here yeah, we go. You're not wrong. Where's. <laughs> We're going to have some really interesting questions for our Q&A, <laughs> right? You're like, yeah, Google. No, don't do that. And I was just like, oh, boy. Oh so boy. so the idea of circumcising your heart is you're cutting off the exterior of the things that are actually keeping you from God. Like mm-hmm. you're cutting off the things that don't belong. You could actually uh, take this to the analogy of uh, gardening and say once again, like you're pruning. Yeah. Right? Those things that are broken, you're pruning. Mm-hmm. So Moses says, he says, hey, why not like make sure to circumcise your hearts and don't be a stiff-necked people anymore. Mm-hmm. Go. And sin no more. I'm just pointing out things that Jesus says on a regular basis. Something that also harkens back to Genesis 4, when God's talking to Cain, Mm -hmm. and he's like, sin is crouching at your doorstep. Waiting to devour you. You must must conquer it. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Like, you have a choice. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then let's, let's talk about verses 18 through 21 here. It's actually, will you read that? Yeah. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him and take your oaths in his name. He is the one you praise. He is your God who who performed for you the great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. Your ancestors who went down into Egypt were 70 in all, and now the Lord has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. All right, so once again, this is where I come back and I talk about utterly destroy, mm-hmm. that maybe we're a little bit misunderstanding what God is talking about, mm-hmm. because he's really getting people pushed out, and like, if you're not going to be a part, then you need to be get out, mm-hmm. Right. Yes, some case, yes, destroy. But once again, he defends the cause of the fatherless. He takes care of the widow and loves the foreigner Mm -hmm. residing with you. Mm -hmm. Remember when we did the love your neighbor as yourself, right? Mm -hmm. 
is this whole chapter of all these things that like, hey, these people are going to do this. Don't do that. They're going to mm-hmm. do this. Don't do that. They're going to do this. But you need to love them like they're your brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It, there's a much different thing than I'm going to tolerate somebody to I'm going to love somebody who I actively disagree with. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm not going to allow myself to be changed by them. Yeah. But I am, in fact, going to love them enough to see God change them. Amen. Right. Once again, it's it's God who does it all, right? Mm-hmm. Even here he says, your ancestors who went down into Egypt were 70 in all, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the mm-hmm. stars in the sky. Like Now, of course, you have to participate to get numerous, but mm-hmm. God is the one who multiplied them over yeah. and over and over again. Yeah. Right? He was the one who's bringing, bringing blessing. Because once again, he said, if you follow my my blessing, you're, you're not going to be without children. Yeah. You're not going to struggle with your fields. You're mm-hmm. not going to struggle with your livelihood. Mm-hmm. You're going to actually put on display the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Like this is the goal. And to your point of utterly destroy, Egypt was actually a fairly thriving nation from this point on all the way up to the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. It was it was the Roman Empire who really knocked them down a huge peg. God, even in the works of getting Israel out of Egypt, yes, he performed miraculous signs. He leveled Egypt on many fronts, mm-hmm. but they were not completely wiped out. And yeah. there was still an invitation yeah, and it's actually interesting in Egypt how quickly the gospel spread there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like they had some experience. They're like, oh, that God's back, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that guy. Yeah, we absolutely want to follow him. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Oh, man, so good. So then wrapping out today's episode, we're going to be jumping into chapter 11. Yeah. Right? So this idea like God is God is campaigning for those who are on the outside. He takes care of the widow, the the orphan. He's going to take care of the foreigner, and this is who you're called to be. It's all done by God's hands. So Amen. remember, this is a reoccurring thing in Deuteronomy. I, I mean, I, I probably go look and see how many times he says remember, but it's a lot. It's a lot. He says, remember God's ways. Amen. Remember that your children didn't see these things because he's talking to both the people mm-hmm. who are going to go in and the people who are dying in the desert, right? Mm-hmm. Like your children didn't necessarily see what happened in Egypt. So you need to tell the stories. Mm-hmm. By the way, parents, churches, you need to tell the victories of Jesus over and over again so people know what God's been doing in your life. And you need to own up to the failures. And own up to the failures, right? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if you raised a whole generation that didn't know about the golden calf just to doom them to repeat it? Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be catastrophic, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It would um, repeat itself. You need to remember the signs against Egypt. You need to remember what happened to Egypt's armies. You need to remember your time in the wilderness and all the signs and wonders you saw there, the cloud leading you by the day. Mm-hmm. You, remember, you need to remember that you've seen what God can do. And then in verse 13, he reiterates the Shema again, making sure that you worship God with everything you have. Mm-hmm. And verse 14, I love this, by the way, uh, God will provide the rain. He will provide the grass. Don't bow to other gods which once again, I want to talk about the Sermon on the Mount, which is what we were talking about. Does the grass of the field worry about how to grow? No. Right? It just, it's not worried about how much rain or sunshine it's getting because who's in charge of that? God. God is in charge of that. So they're not worried. Like this is a thing of trust and provision. God provides the rain. He provides the grass. So don't go and worship other gods that are claiming to provide that. Don't bow to other gods expecting to get what God's already providing. Mm-hmm. Now, we've talked a couple of times about cheating. Mm-hmm. In relationships, mm-hmm. right? Most of the time when people cheat, they're looking for something that's actually found in their relationship. Mm-hmm. But they're not actually accessing it. Yeah. Right? 
They're looking for something new. They're looking for something exciting. I, I don't know what, what people are actually looking for, but what they're actually looking for is somebody to partner with in their life. Mm-hmm. And it's already found in your spouse. Yeah. Right. When people go from, man, this is, this is a hot button topic and we'll see if I get some mail on this. When people go from church to church, mm-hmm. looking for greener pastures, <laughs> right? Now there is legitimate reasons to go from church. Oh to church, yes. Right. You're looking to see where God is putting you. Yes. But you hear a teaching that one teaching you don't like, and you're like, well, if they don't step back from that, I just can't partner with them. Listen, if that was the case, I couldn't go to a lot of churches because mm-hmm. there's, there's always going to be somebody who says something that I don't like. I've all I, like last couple of years I have started when I get coffee with people or whatnot, and they want to talk about the Bible. I always start the conversation with, here's the deal. We're not going to sacrifice who Jesus is. Right. Son of God lived a sinless life died on the cross, lay dead for three days, rose again so sins can be forgiven and we can be restored unto God. Right? We're not going to sacrifice that. And they're like, okay. I was like, we can disagree on a whole lot of other things. Okay? As long as we don't sacrifice that, we can disagree on those things and we can still work together. Exactly. We can still be family together. Well, and, and a lot of times you're going to try to find in another church what mm-hmm. where the issue is actually you. You're not yeah. accessing what that church has to offer. Yeah. Right? You, you said something a couple of weeks ago where you're talking about sometimes you, you go to a church because you're like, oh, it's not giving me what I need. It's like, well, maybe you're not actually giving into. Mm-hmm. And that's your issue. Yeah. You're not actually feeding into what's going on there. Really quick here, a uh, side note, and this is one of those things where maybe I'm just priming the pumps for Q&A, right? Verse 17, he talks about shutting up the sky. Mm-hmm. That actually is the verse that Elijah quotes mm-hmm. when he comes to Ahab and he says that it's not going to rain. Mm-hmm. Right. That's actually the verse that he quotes because God is going to shut up the heavens if you don't follow his laws. Yeah. Right. Which is a very fun conversation about whether Elijah was actually operating in the word of God or not, or whether he, in his zeal, like the spear did something and God honored it and brought good out of it regardless. Mm-hmm. Ask us sometime. Will you? We'll have an episode about that. That's like some... I'll just, that's like a teaser. And they're like, Wait, what is he talking about? I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, that'll be, be fine. So I want to close with this piece because I think this is really good. He because mm-hmm. he he closes in the back end of the of the chapter eleven about keeping the word of God, the law, these instructions on your mind. But I want you to think beyond Torah. I want you to think of the entire word of God, mm-hmm. the Gospels, the Old New Testament yeah. put together. Right? Yeah. He says to bind it to your mind, mm-hmm. symbols on your forehead. You teach your children. You talk about it when you rise, when you sit, when you come, when you go, when you lay down, when you get up. You let the word have control in your life and you remember. Mm-hmm. Right? Like this is really crucial. One, one of the things that I struggle with sometimes when I have conversations with people who have very pointed theological perspectives is I ask them about like, well, how much do you read the Bible? And they're like, oh, I read the Bible all the time. And then I hear them talk and I'm like, it's very clear that you haven't though. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but this is like pastors. This is teachers. Like there are some people who like we're talking about Torah and they barely understand the stories. Like I referenced a story once and they're like, well, where is that? I was like, it's in numbers. Like it's a pretty big story (laughs) in numbers, right? It's a pretty important story. And that's not to throw anybody under the bus, but more to point out like, when the word is not bound to your heart and your mind and in you and through you, it's really easy to develop weird ideas. So the Bible doesn't tell us to know scripture. 
right. it tells us to meditate on it day and night. Yeah. Like those are two very different things. Like yeah. you can like, you can know a lot about a subject. Yeah. Right. We're both kind of nerds. I love Star Wars. <laughs> I know a lot more about Star Wars than I should. Yeah. Okay. But that's just knowledge. Yeah. Right. The Bible, like scripture is actually teaching us to meditate on that day and night, to have that penetrate us so deeply that we live it out. Yeah. By the way, he's quoting from Psalms and the word is Hagah, mm-hmm. which is actually the sound that a lion makes when it yeah. growls over its food. Yeah. So back to the Star Wars analogy, yeah. I'm not living Star Wars out. I'm not walking around with a Jedi robe and a toy lightsaber, right? He says that, but he totally is. <laughs> <laughs> right. trying, trying to move things with my mind, right? right? Exactly. But with scripture, what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to have that be so evident in our life because we meditate on it day and night. It permeates who we are mm-hmm. that we can't help but live it out. Right. And so when we struggle with the idea of like, oh man, how do I live it out? I was like, you need to let this permeate in your life so deeply that you can't help but live it out. And I, so I was having a conversation the other day and they were just like, man, I'm like, it's just, they were talking about struggle that they had. What it came down to was like, man, you just need to rest in the Lord. Right. Like just sit there. Right. Just rest in the Lord. Like let scripture permeate your life. There's one day out of the week you're supposed to just uh-huh. rest. Yeah. Let it permeate your life. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to throw an unpopular opinion out there. I'm ready. I'm going to okay. knock it out of the park. All right. You ready? Okay. Okay. You don't need to read your Bible every day. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. You need to, like, you need to know the word and have it permeate, <laughs> permeate your life. If you know the word, you can regurgitate it and you can bring it back up and mm-hmm. you can taste it again. <laughs> Such a gross analogy. I love it. But no, like to your point is like, now I would say that if you're not familiar with the Bible, you should be reading every day. Yeah. Like, cause you need to have these mm-hmm. things that are a natural part of you. And I think it's a good discipline to continue to read the Bible. hundred percent. Find things that you're never going to. Not find discounting that. Right. But, but to your point is you should be meditating and letting the word change you on a yeah. daily basis. Reading it just for the sake of reading it isn't actually a solution. No. Now we talked about this. We've said this a bunch of times on the podcast. Orthodoxy, in other words, what you believe only matters if it changes your orthopraxy, what you do, mm-hmm. right? Like what you believe is actually demonstrated by what you do. We talked about the chair and like how I'm always a little wary of chairs. Now mm-hmm. my faith in chairs is demonstrated by the fact that I sit in them. Mm-hmm. And my continued faith in chairs is demonstrated by the fact that I sit in them after they've broken on me. Mm-hmm. Not the same ones, but like different ones, mm-hmm. right? Like my faith in chairs is not shaken because one broke. Mm-hmm. Some of us have some theologies that we need to put our full weight on. And if they break, we need to toss them away because they're not a good chair. Yeah. Amen. They're not a good chair. Amen. And if you put it on your, on your forehead, write it on your doorpost, talk about it when you're coming, talk about it when you're going, it's permeated inside of you. You haga the word on a regular basis. You're going to be able to spot these things that aren't actually feeding into the narrative of who God is and what he wants in our yeah. life. Amen. So the last thing that Moses says is this. I am sitting before you a choice Mm -hmm. and it's going to come up a couple of times in this book. So I'm just going to bring it up the first time here. One that is a blessing. Mm -hmm. If you're going to follow these things that God's asked you to do. And the other is a curse. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? Yeah. And I think each morning when we get up and we choose to follow after Jesus or not, we have the same choice. Yeah. Are we going to pursue blessing? Not for us, but through us. Or are we going to live in, into a curse? Mm-hmm. 
I would postulate that there's a way that brings about redemption to mankind and it's not the curse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where we're going to end today. So thank you for watching, listening, all of that. If you want to find us, if you're new and you're like, I want to find you guys other places, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or Amazon Podcast, sorry, YouTube. If you're a listener, follow us, subscribe on YouTube. That's always helpful mm-hmm. for metrics and all those things. You can find us on Facebook at Love and Context, Instagram at Love and Context. Tickety Talk. It's at Love and Context Pod, I think is what it is there. At Tickety Talk? On Tickety Talk, yeah. Okay. We post like we post snippets of our conversations, full episodes on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking at us now, then you probably already know that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we're just wanting to engage the word and talk about some great things. Now, hopefully next week we have a guest. Next two weeks, right? Next two weeks. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have a guest because part of the unscripted conversation is we want to make sure that we're getting a diverse voice mm-hmm. in here. And you've heard a lot of us. So our guest will be Pastor Sarah Harney. Sarah Hart, We love Sarah. Like, so we're going to play a game now next week. Yeah, get ready for it. Okay. Yeah, we'll play a game. Here's how the game goes. I'm just going to explain it to you. Sarah, every time she hangs out with Ben and I, gives us the mom look all the time. She's got like 5,000 children, so that's probably why. Yeah, it's, it's five, but you know. <laughs> but she gives us the mom look all the time because we'll say something and she'll just be like, yeah. And then we just laugh. And so you might see that a few times. You might. You might. But Sarah is a faithful follower of Jesus, mm-hmm. and we really wanted to invite her in to just talk about areas of worship. Yeah. I wonder if there's going to be a connection to John and the Samaritan woman at the well. We'll find out. Hmm. Maybe. All right. Thanks for being here. Bye. That's a wrap for today's episode. We want to extend a heartfelt thank you for tuning in and spending your valuable time with us. We hope that you found today's conversation insightful and that you take something meaningful from it. If you have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at loveandcontext at gmail.com and we will be sure to get back to you. Remember, you can always engage with our content on all your favorite listening platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, and more. Don't forget to follow us on social media at loveandcontext.com on Instagram and Facebook for updates. That is a that is a matter of opinion and mine is the only one that's being expressed on this podcast. Are you ready? Yes. I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready. Because a lot of time and a lot of times we work in I'm just going to give you lots of editing. Okay. So Ben, edit, edit, edit. I'm looking at you. <laughs> right there. I know you're looking Side at note, we're 32 minutes in and we haven't even got out of seven. That God has been working with you, do working with, oh my word. You can read. So, it's, it's a long week so of work. Tired. I can't, I, I don't, you're being sarcastic, but I'm, I'm, my brain is not brain. <laughs> so once again, we loved having you here. That's a weird thing to say. So once again. <laughs>